Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. This is your favourite football podcast back again for another week. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And joining me as ever is the Rank God, Mr. Sam Sai. How are you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Very well, thank you. How was your birthday? Yes, very good. Very good. I had a, a big old birthday yesterday, so I'm looking forward to my week of celebrations. Uh, to be honest, it's a month of celebrations, as we uh, as we, we highlighted in the show before. But um, yeah, this is the big week, so I'm, I'm excited having a having a wee party on Saturday. So that's going to be lots of fun. Looking forward to seeing you boys in the flesh for the first time in ages. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. Mm. Um, we don't get to do that anymore. very often. Yeah, exactly. I see Dean quite a lot. But I don't see you very often, Sam. So uh, that's going to be nice. Uh, and I'll transfer Grimm Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to that, actually. Yeah, that is that is true, actually. We're going to all see each other in flesh. I see you. I don't know when I last saw Sam. Probably on, uh, on our trip. <laughs> I probably last saw you in Spain. Probably, yeah. Spain. That's mad. <laughs> That's absolutely mad. It is quite mad. mad. That was yeah, months ago. Indeed, indeed. Such is the, the world that we live That's in. That's before the World days, Cup. Right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We've yeah, had Christmas and New day. Year all since. Yeah, exactly. It's a that strange old place. Crazy. Like place. worse than lockdown. Indeed. Right. I mean, look, I've I've got a birthday gift for everyone. I know this isn't really how birthdays work, but I've got one anyway. Okay. Uh, and it's that we've activated free trials on our Patreon. So yes. if you haven't come to join us on Patreon, there's a month free trial going on at the moment you can see what we're doing over there the two extra episodes a week ask us the questions on our monday post box which covers all of you know the premier league it covers a lot of europe to this week we covered a whole load of mls as well it's it's a, it's a real ride the post box it goes through you know most of the world's football in so many yeah. ways and so we'd love to have you with us yeah honestly i think you're all gonna love it like come over this is the patron didn't used to do trials basically so we've never been able to offer this before and they, they've just recently added this feature to the app we've got a loyal rank squad ultras army um who are, who are with us over there and it seems like everybody's loving it and uh, there's proper involvement um so we'd love you to to come over for this month and just see what it's about get as involved if you as you want like if you just want to listen just listen if you want to get involved in the chat if you want to send us messages on there then you can do um yeah we we look ahead we look back there's loads of nonsense in between um we'd love to ex- expand that so yeah please come give us a try it'd be great absolutely absolutely well that's basically my thing we love it's not really but it is my thing we love for it's everybody today. else's thing they love once thing they, they start love. listening yeah hopefully exactly it's all the patrons things we love link in the uh, description you're gonna... by the way indeed the link is in the description uh, dean let's start with actual things we love you're gonna kick us off yeah and no, one of our newest listeners will be harry Maguire. i'd imagine he has quite a bit of spare time these days but um, the thing i love is harry Maguire lifting a trophy at the weekend um what a man i mean he deserves his moment and um he did look very happy as he as he stood up there with bruno fernandez and he lifted the trophy um he only played two minutes of the game he was brought on for the moment really it was a little bit john terry 
um, coming on full kit. But Harry Maguire is an important member of this Man United squad. He is the club captain. And look, I thought on the back of the World Cup, we would start seeing more of him, but we haven't. Um, and you wonder what this moment leads to, to be honest, for Harry Maguire. As I say, like he, it was a strange afternoon for him, I would imagine, because yes, he'll be delighted that finally this move is really paying off. And it looks like United are turning a corner and he's able to lift that first trophy of this new era. Um, he's got at least two more years to go on his Man United contract, though. And as the team like wandered around the pitch and you were like looking at how everyone was, he looked a bit distant at times. And I was thinking it must be really hard for him right now. Like he's still a good player. He's still the club captain. Everyone still really likes him at the club. And Ten Hag says he's been professional and everything else. But you can't feel part of it, can you? It must feel like you're a bit of a fraud. Well, when no, you, I think it just you feels like you're looking at it through a glass window, right? That, that's how I would describe it. It looks like you're watching things happen and you're like, oh, I'm on the other side of the glass. and It's quite weird. It would be like us winning documentary of the year for the ranks one we made and me going up to collect the trophy and taking all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's kind of how I, I was looking at it. Um, yeah, I was involved, but not really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean... What does Harry Maguire do from this point is what I was thinking on the back of the Carabao Cup because he can't really stay, can he? I mean, where does he go? What level is he at? It's a really, really difficult time for him. Like, he might decide to stay for another year, but long term, like Harry Maguire is not getting back in this team. Like not especially when you see the partnership now between Varane and Lissandro Martinez and how that side is evolving with them as the bedrock of it, with Casemiro in front of them. Like United are moving on fast. And if Ten Hag hasn't trusted him to this point, I can't see that he's suddenly going to change his mind and push him back in there. So, yeah, I just, I loved that Harry Maguire got his moment and I'm intrigued about what happens from here. Uh, does he lift three more trophies this season for Man United? <laughs> Maybe. They could win a quadruple. But more than that, like, what's he thinking? What's, what's his, his career path from here? Hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very interesting, isn't it? You, you kind of look at the teams around United in the table, and you're thinking Newcastle, Tottenham, are these Tottenham. Yeah. these places that Harry Maguire could end up? I, I don't think that's implausible. I think he's probably there or thereabouts. I just can't see him being part of Ten Hag's kind of core system at United, and mm. that's no slander on his ability as a player. Obviously, there was controversy a couple of weeks back with Sam's position of Harry Maguire in the in the captain's rankings, but yeah. I still think he's a good player. I'm just not quite sure he's quite good enough for a title-challenging team. And I think we're seeing that play out in, in real time, basically. The thing is, yeah, he's he's not playing right now, but he's 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 part of a good squad, part of a good dressing room at a massive, massive team. So if you're moving clubs, you're moving to play every week. So he's obviously not going to be going to Arsenal or City or whatever. Like that's just not going to happen. Right. And he's not going to be going to Liverpool either because he's not going to try and fight for his place with Ibu Konate and, and Virgil van Dijk. So you do start to look at where he would actually play. And I, I genuinely question whether or not he can really force his way into this Newcastle team, given how good Botman and Cher have been. So, so um, Fulham. He could be a long-term Tim Ream replacement. Yeah, that's... I would love that. He's... He's a he's a forty million pound 
buy though, isn't he? Probably 30, 40 million. I don't know what they're going to, they're going to lose on him. It's going to be a lot, but he's still going to cost the next club if he leaves 30, 40 million. We've talked about about money in in terms of him going to Italy and that we thought that that would actually be a a real nice thing and somewhere where he could rebuild himself away from maybe the glare of the media lights. I mean, I know that we're not doing any favors by having this discussion, but (laughs) it just generally, I think it's quite a nice. But uh, most clubs nice outside idea. the Premier League have not really had this much money to spend in the last year. We saw like mm. the spending figures, you know, the comparison between Premier League and everybody else. January, summer, last 12 months, last 24 months. There aren't that many clubs out there that genuinely have this much money to actually to put down on the table for Harry yeah. Maguire. Yeah. And I don't know what, if, I was thinking, well, maybe they could loan him out. I don't know if they would benefit from that. Like, if you, you let out your club captain on loan, you don't have that player to call upon anymore. So you've still got to replace them in the squad because you're going to need another figure. So yeah, tough one for him. But um, yeah, come on, Harry Maguire. Come on, Harry Maguire. Yes, well done. Congratulations on your first trophy with Manchester United, Harry. Um, Right, Sam, what you got for me? Okay, so I'm going to cross the ocean. I'm going to go to MLS. Absolutely loved. I loved the opening weekend of MLS. It was absolutely brilliant. And... I think I'll start at the start because what I really loved was the opening performance from Nashville as the whole thing kicked off. They got the early slot, uh, 9.30 p.m. here in the UK. Uh, So that's early for some, Uh, (laughs) maybe not for others. But they played NYCFC at home. They were really, really impressive. This is a strong opponent. This is a difficult, difficult matchup. And they absolutely smashed it out of the park on the opening weekend. And it's it's not as simple as that sometimes. Just ask Austin, you know, hosting hosting St. Louis for their first ever game of football. And they lost it at home. You know, this is not simple. You don't necessarily just bounce straight into the season. So well done to Nashville. But the particular reason I wanted to point them out was because, as you guys know, I'm not a snob when it comes to MLS, but I am critical sometimes of the tactical acumen on show. And we have to accept and embrace the fact that like, it's a league that is quite literally built as an entertainment industry and it prioritizes goals and attacks. It's also in its have... infancy still. It's what? 30, 30 years old? 30 years old. Yeah. This, is, this is still a kind of very, very new entity in terms of where we're talking in the world of football. Yeah, it's younger Yeah, younger than most, most football clubs on the planet, like, you know, in, in terms of in, in Europe and stuff. So it's, it's very young. But we accept that it's you know, built to entertain. We accept that it's built and geared towards goals per game and excitement. It's American. Of course, they're going to do that. But all that means is that a performance like Nashville's at the weekend stands out even more strongly for me because it was a clean sheet. It was a really strong defensive performance. There was some really good counter-pressing early on and great energy. And the way they, they counter-pressed NYCFC and, and really didn't let them out was really impressive. And then a little bit later on, when they had to sort of drop in, the defense was super disciplined. The tactical setup was spot on. And then late on, you know, they won their up. New York are, are trying to put together a bit of pressure and you know, they bring on 2022 MVP Hani Mukhtar, who just runs 50 yards through the entire team and tees up a a second killer goal. And it was just a masterful game plan, really well done. But what I saw was a really, really well coached team. And I wanted to I wanted to sing their praises. Um do either of you know who coaches Nashville? No. Gary Smith. Oh Gary, yeah. Yeah. Product of the Fulham Youth Academy. Smith though. 
Smithy. Yeah. One Smith appearance Meister in 1985. Oh, even I then didn't got, see that one. Then he got yeah, I was going to say, I'm afraid it's before my time. Dean might oh. have been there. No, <laughs> no, I wasn't at the cottage then. No, but he's a product of your youth academy. Four years. Four years at Fulham, one appearance, and then I think he got released and went to Colchester. Oh, yeah. Not the most stellar playing career. I can't imagine our matter. youth academy was much to share about in 1985. <laughs> you were in it, weren't you? <laughs> no, I mean, I wasn't even in it until about, yeah, 15 years after that. <laughs> but anyway, Gary Smith doing some good work. Nashville doing some good work. Really impressed. Wanted to shout it out. Well, shouts out Gaza, Smithy, my guy. Um, another Fulham man doing beautifully. Uh, right, I'm going to round us off. And normally I, and I think here at Ranks FC, I can speak for all of us. We don't hugely condone matches being delayed due to missiles being thrown onto the pitch by fans. But I'm going to make an exception to that rule this week because the thing I love is what happened at Besiktas this week. We saw Besiktas play Antalya Sport. I will be honest, it wasn't the most entertaining game that you're going to see this season. But the big news story, the big headline that came out was that the game was delayed due to an absolute onslaught of toys being thrown onto the pitch by fans of both teams uh, to donate to victims of the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. The game was literally halted the game had already started when this happened we we see this obviously I, I believe it originated in the Netherlands we talk about it happening at Betis quite a lot as well but this felt incredibly poignant and incredibly topical and I just wanted to shout out the fans of both clubs it was called this toy is my friend I think it's how it exactly translates and some of the toys are huge they're like, how did these get? They're like bigger than the fans themselves. They're like the biggest toys I've ever seen. And there were just thousands and thousands of toys on the pitch. Uh, there were scarves and hats as well. Uh, but they're going to be given to as gifts to children in the regions where the earthquakes have hit hardest. So I just wanted to shout out the Besiktas and Antalya Sport fans for a really lovely gesture. And obviously our wishes with everybody affected by the earthquakes. Just a really nice gesture, I thought. Hmm. Very wholesome. It very, does very remind nice. me of talking about Fulham back in the day. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. So like mid to late 90s, um, Fulham had no money until our fire came along and we were literally scraping the barrel to try and pay people and save the stadium. And um, I can remember they used to walk around the pitch with this massive sheet, basically, and to donate money... You would throw coins from the stands onto the side of the pitch. It was lethal. Toys sounds like a much better idea because they're soft. And I can remember, obviously, like I was a kid at the time and you would like throw coins at people's heads. (laughs) And then they were just like, everyone on the front was like holding the back of their head because they're like terrified of getting hit by all these coins. They're just raining down onto the pitch as someone's like scrambling to throw all their loose change as Fulham collect up all the bits and pieces to, to try and uh, save up enough to pay the players, I think it was. But um, yeah, definitely toys sounds like things have moved on and that was never a good idea. They should have just had um, someone with a pot as you were walking into the stadium, not launching coins. 100%. Less fun though. Less fun though. <laughs> it's good. I remember oh, this mate, ha- the old days were good. The old I remember this happening good. at Brentford as well. Like it must have been 10, 15 years on. Um, obviously kicking around there when I was young and they basically were just the team up the road. 
Um, obviously yeah. kicked around in, in their centers of excellence for a while. And it was, you just go to Brentford games and yeah, they used to walk around with a sheet. That was a thing that used to happen. Um, so there you go. Goodness. It's that uh, was before concussion that, protocol. Glad that's not <laughs> happening anymore. But I'm equally glad that this gesture happened at the weekend because I thought it was really lovely. And that concludes things we love for this week. We'll be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our main segment. And Sam, you're going to be leading this. This week. Now, often you're leading things with a ranking. This is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, it's still a ranking, but it's a ranking of questions, which I'm then going to ask you two the answers for. Um, I've basically been perusing the top European leagues over the course of the last couple of days, looking at the tables, looking at the players, trying to figure out how this season is going to shape up as we enter the kind of like the final third. And turns out, actually, based on all of that research and taking a look at the lay of the land, I've got some burning questions. So I've got five burning questions. I will ask them and I will demand answers from you. Sounds okay. fair? Yeah, mm-hmm. why not? Let's let's mix it up, shall we? I'm a bit worried. Okay. No, you'll be fine, Dean. Don't worry about it. As Jack, I'm worried about. Yeah. Right. Number five, starting at five. Who will finish... With the lowest points total in Europe's top five leagues this season. I'm going to ask you to pick from three different options. Okay. Option number one is Angers in Liga. They have 10 points. Option two is Cremonese in Serie A. They have nine points. And option three is Elche in La Liga, who also have nine points. Now, the reason I ask this question is because I was looking at the tables and looking at the points tallies, and we've played about 23, 24 games this season. And these points tallies feel pretty damn low. I thought yeah. they that's actually quite embarrassing. So I thought, all right, I'll have a look at where these clubs were or what the bottom of the table looked like at this point in the season last season. And true enough... These three are really stinking the place up. I mean, take France, for an example. Angers on 10. The worst team in France after 24 games last season was Bordeaux. They had 20. Double the points. It's ridiculous. I mean, most teams, even even outside of that, were probably on about 13, 14, which I appreciate doesn't sound like a lot more than 9 or 10. But when you've only got 10 after 24 games, actually, that is quite quite a lot. So Angers, Cremonese, Elche. Who is going to finish with the lowest points tally? And genuinely, are they good, are they in for a, a historically bad season? Mm. I mean, of those teams, Cremonese, I believe, are the only one that haven't won a game. Their nine points come from nine draws. So lovely stuff. That's not great. Brilliant. They are also in the, in the semi-final of the Coppa Italia, <laughs> which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Focusing got- on the cup. Well, they are focusing <laughs> on the cup. They want they want to be playing in Serie B and Europe clearly next season. Yeah. That that's the idea. The old Portsmouth, um, the Cremonese squad just isn't that bad. I've spent some some real time looking at this and trying to work out. And because you sometimes see these performances, they've you know they've dumped some big guns out of the cup. They dumped Napoli out, and they dumped Roma out of the cup as well. These you know so there clearly is you know modicums of talent in in the mix here. They also have a game in hand. So actually, they might end up, if they were to win their game in hand, now I know that's a big ask considering they've not won any of the 23 prior games <laughs> to, the, to this, but their game in hand would actually lift them above Sampdoria. Now, it's not going to lift them out of the relegation places. That seems like a huge ask at this point. But Samp are there on 11. They've mm. been stinking the plays out as well. So 
That's interesting. I, I think the answer might be Angers. And it's really weird because last year, Angers were really fun. And they started like a train, if you remember. They absolutely flew out of the blocks. Pretty in, sure you said they'd um, finished fifth in the five by fives. Yeah, I did. Yeah, they finished 14th. It's close. It was close. It's only nine nine places off in the league. So you've got, you've got to kind of work with those things, right? <laughs> but, but they lost a lot of their very good players um, over the summer. And then again in January, uh, Angelo Fulgini left for Mainz in the summer, who was a major part of their forward line. Uh, Matthias Pereira left. He was a very good player. I liked him. Um, even if he, even if he didn't actually play that much last year, I genuinely thought that he might be one of the players that could step up in Fulgini's absence. And then he turned out he left instead. And then in January, they've lost Azadinu Nahi, who's obviously gone to Marseille, and Sofian Bufal, who I believe was club captain, who's gone off to play in Qatar. And you look at the players that have come in to Angers, and it's like very much loan, free, 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 loan, free, loan, free, including like Jan Valery from Southampton, who wasn't good enough for the team currently bottom of the Premier League. And these are the kind of uncomfortable things that you're looking at and going, I, I don't know where the saviour points are coming from. So my answer to this question is going to be Angers. They also, didn't they lose Mohamed Ali Cho in the summer as well to Real Sociedad? That was, did, he, did, he came yeah. from Angers. And, and to put it in perspective as well, Southampton are bottom of the Premier League. They've got 18 points. It's like nearly yeah. double Angers total and 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 actually double Criminosi and Elton. absolutely batter them. Southampton would batter <laughs> these teams. <laughs> that's, how, that's how bad this lot are. Look, I've got... The only one I can really talk about is Eltre, so it's quite handy they're the ones that, that Jack didn't mention. And and I could definitely put forward an argument that this team are going to be the worst team in Europe based on the only time I've seen them, which was a few, two weeks ago maybe, when they lost 4-0 to Real Madrid. Um, they were horrendous. Like, it was ridiculous how easy Real Madrid found this game. It was 3-0 by half-time. Um I actually stopped watching because it wasn't even a game of football. It was like the most straightforward thing I'd ever seen. Um, they were literally walking through the park and uncontested. It was ridiculous. And then on the back of that, found out that they have actually won a game, by the way. So they've won one match so far. And that was um, that was just before that, that game. But what they were saying at the time was... Um, trying to save their season this is their centenary year so like this is a really really historic Aww. season for Elche and they've they've brought out a new like a logo for the season to mark the moment and <sighs> they uh I've just quickly looked it up um to check what their their incentive was for this season and it says Elche's objective by changing with the new image for the new season is um, to help globalise their brand. They've done this. Uh, the aim is to make the club's sporting and institutional growth visible, to help the club cross borders and to raise awareness of the century of history during which Elche has contributed to building the ecosystems of Spanish football. So the way that they have made their brand global is to become one of the worst teams on the planet um, and for their team to completely capitulate um, this is horrendous. This is really sad. Yeah, this is a really, really sad story that for is really, really They are sad. so far adrift as well. They're like they're bottom of the league, and like the next spot up is like 
on 22 points and they're on nine. So they ain't getting out of this. There's no way they're getting out of this. Um, it's the 100 years and it's a horrible moment. They might have to cancel the season and pretend it's got to be their were... worst year so far. Yeah, they had. <laughs> if we're going to rank the years, I imagine this one's right down there. Yeah. Well, they they played on Friday night against Betis. They were two 0 up. Yeah, and lost, though, didn't they? lost three two and had three men sent off. So <laughs> it's not it's not great. Although I did see some signs of life. I'll give them that. They they started the game really well. I mean, obviously, it's not great vibes losing three two from being two 0 up, but. That I, I think I've seen more signs of life from LJ than I have from maybe the other two. So I'm I'm mm. gonna stick with my original answer of on All right, good. Nice. Hey guys, Swift Little Insert here to say that just a few hours after we recorded the episode, Cremonese beat Roma 2-1 with their game in hand and hauled themselves up to 12 points. But I guess that just means that Jack picking Onje and Dean picking LJ were indeed the right calls. Okay, let's move on to number four. My next question is, who the hell is going to win the Eredivisie this season? Because it's something we've talked about on our Patreon shows, but not too much on the main segment. So let's give it a go because it's a bit mad at the top in the Netherlands. I'll give you the the rundown for those listening. Final top 52. Ajax three points behind them. AZ Alkmaar two behind them. And PSV a point behind them. They're all scoring a bucket load of goals most weeks. Like they're so overpowered. You look at the goals scored tally in this in this league and compare the top four to basically the rest of them. And there's like a difference of like twenty plus goals. It's absolutely absurd. Um, this is quite refreshing and quite quite nice as a neutral um, because Ajax have won the last three titles. They've been the dominant team. PSV ran them really really close one year, and obviously one season was cancelled due to COVID. But the last three times the trophy has been handed out, it has been handed to Ajax. This is the post Ten Hag season. They did not do a very good job in replacing him initially with Schroeder. They've dropped off massively. And um, it's just nice to see another team at the top. I mean, the last time this happened was 2018. PSV lifted the trophy. And the top goal scorer in the league was Alireza Jahanbach, who scored 21 goals and earned a move to Brighton off the back of it. Mm. That's how long it's been. That was was two World Cups ago, lads. (laughs) So who's going to win this time? It's it's really interesting. I mean, you're looking at the run-ins, right? Because that's the that's the key. And the big one that stood out for me, Final would have actually quite a soft run-in, I think, generally compared to to Ajax. But they have to go to Amsterdam and they have to play Ajax at the Johan Cruyff, which is a tough ask at the best of times. But then you kind of counter that with the fact that Ajax have to go to PSV and they host RZ on you know, the, in a the couple of the next match weeks. And their final day is away to Deventa, who are currently fifth. And two, three weeks ago, we would have probably put in this title race. So I think Ajax have a high, a harder run in. And for that reason, I'm going to back Feyenoord. Yes, David Hanko's Feyenoord. Wasn't there like a massive gap at one point, though? Haven't Ajax closed this gap? There was never a massive gap at the top of the table, but there sure, was a like massive Ajax gap. Sure, like fifth or something not long ago. There was a massive gap between Ajax and Feyenoord, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, there was still, it was PSV who were three points behind, and then at one point it was RZ who were three points behind. Ajax have clawed themselves back into the conversation, which is impressive in its own mm. right. Yeah, anyway, there's, uh, you know what I do in these situations. 
I back the one that usually does it. I'll always back Bayern Munich in Germany, and I will always back Ajax in the Eredivisie. They won it in 2022. They won it in 2021. They didn't win it in 2020, but they did win it in 2019. They'll win it in 2023. That That's the logic that I've got to go on, lads. I've, I've only seen two or three Ajax games this season. Mohamed Kudus is still um, has lit those games up when I've watched them. but um, And that is what my logic is going to go on here, that Ajax always rise when it matters. Mm. Sam, what do you think? Doesn't matter. I'm asking the questions. <laughs> I am loving this. <laughs> no wonder you put this forward as a topic. You haven't had to do anything. Yeah, it's perfect, isn't it? Well, well, I set the table. I set the table. I just give you guys the cutlery and let you tuck in. It's important. Ooh. It's important. Anyway, we're going to move on. Number three. Oh, hang on. Uh, hang on. If you're not going to actually answer, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk more about Feyenoord. Oh, if you want to talk about my, more about Feyenoord, you can. I, I think it's. I think it's. It's only. It's only fair. Yeah. Um, it's also useful because I talked about them a couple of weeks back on the Patreon on our spotlight when they played PSV, which turned into actually an absolutely unbelievable game. But I just quite like how Arnie Slot's working with this team, right? I, I really think that the way that they've set up and, and you know, you speak spoke at the top of the pod about defensive impetus and the way that teams can, you know, when, it's impressive when teams can just hold the fort. And I, I think that Feyenoord have been really quite impressive defensively uh, as much to anything else like they have almost the lowest goals conceded in the division and and that's to do with this kind of back five which is Justin Bilo in goal uh Heertruda and David Hanko who are both fullbacks to begin with in their careers and have become this really cool centre-back partnership that has the ability to overlap and underlap as well and then there's Hartman who has the best name in football Kalindashi Hartman. What a name. His name, name begins with a Q. That's mad. And then Marcus Pedersen, who, who I really Fortune. like on that right side. Yeah, that, that's also good. That's also good. And then there's Orkin Kirkju, who we're big fans of. Um, Dilrison, who's lots of fun. And the aforementioned Ali Reza Jahanbaksh, right? Who's, who's loads of fun. And then up top, you've got Danilo and the man who's kind of replaced him in the squad, the great Mexican hope of Santiago Jimenez. It's just like a lot of interesting players here. I really like Igor Paixão, who comes off the bench quite a lot. He joined in the summer. He's loads of fun. And the best thing about this squad is it's quite young. I think like they have the, an average age of about 23 in, in, in this starting level. So, so you look at this team and go, this probably feeds into Dean's argument more than mine. In that, you know, do they have the experience to see this over the line? But I've just been really impressed with a very young squad doing really nice stuff on, under Arnest Slot. And I hope that they go on and do it, I'll be honest. Yeah, good stuff for Slot, really. Do you remember a couple of years ago, he was at um, AZ Alkmaar and he flirted with Feyenoord midway through the season, um, sort of negotiated to maybe take over. And then AZ sacked him for not being fully focused on the job. And then he just went and took the Feyenoord job anyway a bit later on. And here he is leading a title charge. So it's been a long time coming for him. A couple of years in the making, but very nice. Um, I mean, look, I think I would I would go for Feyenoord too. Uh, but mostly because I want it to happen. That's, yeah, that's what yeah, I, I really want to see. Uh, yeah, and I will, yeah. I will now move us on to the next question. Number three. Will Napoli start to rotate their squad? No. To be As fresh easy. for a Champions cool. League win. Because they're so far clear at the top of the league now, it's actually ridiculous and very funny. They are 18 points clear at the top in Italy. 
I mean, that is just ridiculous. There is no title race to speak of. There's a great race for the top four. Amazing. This is going to be so good with five or six teams in the mix. But Napoli are going to win the league. And it's basically about when Luciano Spalletti decides to just call time on it. You know, when he sticks his finger in there and goes, we've won it now. Because he's going to, at some point, his squad selection must must show that he thinks the title is done. And well, they're on for a record, aren't they? That's the other thing you kind of maybe aren't considering here. How much? How many points they need for a record? One hundred and two, like, I believe. God, that's a lot of points. <laughs> so many points. I mean, it's thirty-seven is, of thirty-nine from the last from the last thirteen. Uh, so it's yeah. thirty-seven of forty-two. Sorry, I apologize. So what's better, um, Serie A record and fall in the Champions League at a respectable quarterfinal stage or European double? I mean, clearly it's the double. And I'm not going to lie, lads. Like the more I watch them, the more I'm like. They can do it. We sit here and we talk about the flaws showing up in how many different clubs, you know, the, the usual suspects at the very top of the game. We look at PSG and we ask, you know, why we talk, we talk about their limitations. We look at Bayern Munich and we talk about their, their fractured form. All the top guns, Man City, everyone, Liverpool, whatever, they all look flawed. So Napoli should absolutely be looking at this as a, as a competition they can win. And yeah, in I order mean, to do that, in, Europe. That, in order to do that, in order to do that, they're probably going to have to start spelling out the minutes for some of the key players, which is something they just haven't done this season. They've been incredibly consistent. Consistency has been the name of the game for them. Results-wise, yes, but performances and selection, it's all linked. You look at the the list of appearances. You know, they played 24 games. Obviously, Alex Merritt has played 24 in goal. Di Lorenzo has played 24. Kim Min-Jay, 23. Lobotka and Gisa, 22. That's two-thirds of the midfield. And then you've got a whole collection of players, Zielinski, Kavara, Osimen, Rui, Rachmani, all between like 16, 17, 18. That's like the whole team. That's their 11, right? That They just always play. They will but have to start point... rotating at left back because Mario Rui's got a six game ban. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Oliver is better anyway, so it's fine. Um, but at what point genuinely do they, do, they, do they, they put the flag up and say, this title's done? Ossiman is not going to be playing this weekend at home to I don't know Fiorentina, Spezia, whatever it is, because he's got a big he's got a big Champions League game. When do they do it? Uh, I can tell you the date. I reckon. Go on. I reckon the date is the second of April. The next three games that Napoli have in Serie A are Lazio at home, Atalanta at home, then they go to Torino away, and then they have Milan at home. I think if they beat Milan, if they win all four of those games, ending with a triumph at Milan on the second of April. I reckon the flag goes up. Mm. I think they actually start rotating the team in the Champions League because they're two 0 up against Frankfurt and they've gotten to play at home in a couple of weeks, like in a couple of games. So that actually, I'd start the rotation then, like home <laughs> against Frankfurt. You're already two 0 up. Um, that comes after games against the Lazio and Atalanta games, which are hard games. Like they are big Italian fixtures anyway. So you you don't want to risk things now, especially going into that game. You get through those two and then you go to the Champions League game, make a few changes for that, maybe try a couple of things. And then, yeah, you come out maybe of the AC Milan game and go from there. It's difficult though, isn't it? It's not as easy as just resting players because then the part of their success probably is the momentum. It's the same argument I keep making for Arsenal. You don't. The benefit to them is they don't have as deep a squad as Man City probably because they can't rotate this team as much as others could do. They actually are rotating it probably more than I expected them to, to be honest, Arsenal. But um, 
I think Napoli are in the same boat. That's both those teams are overachieving from where we expected them to be at the start of the season. But it's it's that momentum that's just keeping them going. I know, like, of course you're always at risk of injury, but that can happen at any time. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, it, you know, the, the players it that does we're happen about, when you rest players. It's yeah, like, the players that we're talking they'd... about. So, you know, Aussie what, 24? Like, there's no reason you should really suffer any problems, but it's a risk factor, obviously. But, but also, it depends who this... they get drawn against in the Champions League. It does, but you know what? We know Ozyman has unfortunately has a bit of an injury history. Um, he's no, a bit does, too yeah. brave for his own good. Um, so you minimise. They should his... rotate up top because they have depth there. That, that's, that's the thing. That's there's the actually things. there's actually quite a big list of, of names here who can step in and, and play like most Serie A games. Like they've got Ndombele as a rotator midfield. They've got Gio Simeone and Raspadori as forwards. They've got Elmas. They've got Ostergaard. They've got Juan Jesus for defence, and they've got Diego Dema who never plays, but is fine. He's completely and utterly fine. We've been most... saying this for like five years, and we haven't seen him play any football. He will be fine. They're all fine. So they've got like what's that? Six, seven eight names or something like that that they can they can bring in i'm looking forward to it like i genuinely want to see them change change their spots a little bit and just and just show us a little bit something else i know it comes with its challenges momentum is key but they're gonna have to do it like those weeks if they get to the quarterfinals of the champions league and it's it's really intense stuff saturday wednesday saturday wednesday saturday whatever it is the pattern becomes pretty grueling you see all the super clubs change half their team napoli are gonna have to follow suit at some point no, I agree. And but you do look at these kind of back ten fixtures, the last the run in, if you will, and the only ones that stand out in terms of like being ultimately very difficult are Juventus away and Inter at home. The rest of them are relatively soft. I say relatively because I think Bologna are in really good form. That's their penultimate game. They have to go to the Dalara and Thiago Motta has Bologna absolutely cooking at the moment. So Sure. This is in like two months though, isn't it? But that's what I mean. This last ten is Lecce away, Verona at home, Juve away, Salernitana at home, Udinese away, Fiorentina at home, Monza away, Inter at home, Bologna away, Sampdoria at home. That's about as good a run-in as you can ask for. All I'm hearing is 10 starts for Raspadori. <laughs> well, that's, all I'm hearing is 15 goals for Raspadori, but I think that's probably... <laughs> I'm going to put my flag in the sand. 2nd of April, we'll start seeing Napoli rotate. Okay, okay. Tricky time, tricky time. Every manager wants to do it. It always makes sense on paper, but you never know what might happen in return. It's always mm. interesting to me. Right, final two burning questions. Can Fulham actually qualify for Europe? Depends what the spot it goes down to. Mm. So we're expecting top seven qualify for Europe because... Well, one cup's already gone to Man United and they'll, they'll finish in the top six. So one spot gets knocked down and then... Well, Fulham could win the FA Cup, I mean, for a start, but let's presume that they don't. Maybe not by the time this goes out. We might be out. Well, that's <laughs> true. Tonight. Yeah, that's true. Let's presume that one of the, the top three favourites here, Man City, Man United and Spurs, they, Man United and Man City, one of them will win the FA Cup and that will knock the seventh spot into the Conference League. And that's obviously what Fulham are going to be aiming for. And look, I, I kind of have been sort of dismissing this in my mind for a long time, but it's really stupid to carry on doing that because you're still there and you've been there since match day 11. You've yeah, been in the, the top... League, huh? You've been in the top seven without exception, I think. Actually, no, wait, you dropped to eighth after you did not beat mid-table Chelsea, but then you jumped straight back in. But since match day 11, you've been in top seven and the results have just kept coming and coming and coming. So what I wanted to do here was put you boys in a slightly awkward position where you... you 
obviously you want to speak through your heart, speak with your hearts, but genuinely, can you do it? Can is this can is a very different question to will. Can Fulham will, finish in the European spots? Yes. Will Fulham will, in finish in the European spots? I don't know. That that would be the <laughs> that, that would be the answer I would, will I would you do it? give you right now. I mean, yeah. I doubt it to be honest. Like I, I think we I think we'll probably come up just short. Yeah, you've listed like our where our league position's been all that time. We've played for a lot of that time at least one more game than a lot of the other teams, some of them two. So some of the teams like that are behind us, I think Brighton at the moment have three games in hand on us. Um, a couple of teams have two. So like we, our position isn't completely true um, because it's just net. There's been a, a no point of all the teams around us. We all be on even games. Um, so that kind of works against us. Um, also, you've got to factor in like, at the moment, say at the weekend, for example, against Wolves, there was no Mitro, no, no Tom Kearney. Like that was pretty big. That was pretty Polina's big. Polina's now out for two games Now as well. Polina's out for the next two games as well. That's massive. He's our best player. Then once you start factoring in these things, like we've got a, the best squad we've had for years. We've got the best manager we've had for a long time, maybe ever, to be honest. But look, to finish seventh... We've still got to finish above Brighton, Brentford and Chelsea and then, you know, Liverpool be in and around that. And I can't say that we will, to be honest. I can't. It's going to be close. Like, we're definitely going to get close to finishing in seventh. But I think that's our spot that we're going to... That's the one spot we're aiming for. I think to finish any higher than that is probably... Probably going to prove just a bit out of reach. Um, and it's a shame it's a shame the thing that scares me the thing that scares me is like what happens to the team next season if you qualify for Europe I'm confident we stay together we get a second season out of them and you could even add just worries me a little bit if we don't make it it's been such an amazing season you know Willian, for example, like Wolves, I, I wonder if, if Willian might have given everything he's got. Like he's had an unbelievable season. At Wolves, he just looked like a shadow of the person he's been. And that's fine, to be honest. If, he, if he's given us everything, there's nothing left in the tank. I kind of accept that because he's given us ridiculous performances. And 39 like, points, job done. Yeah. Xiao Polina, like I've refused to believe that no one's going to come hunting for him. Tim Ream, like he's going to need replacing at some point like unbelievable season can he do it again do you need to replace there's a there's a lot of things that happen in the next season and you know yeah a lot is dependent on whether we do manage to make it sorry Fulham fans I'm just a bit pessimistic about this but I've still loved it I'm still going to celebrate the end of the season no matter what happens yeah I think that's true and there's an element here I, I think it's more fluctual well there's a higher fluctuation here in that I think if Fulham get to the 1st of April and we're still in the European spots, we'll finish there. You love because... this first weekend of April. It's very big. No, I know. It's a real big It's a big, big one. But Fulham's, <laughs> Fulham's next three games, we're going to Legoland to play Brentford on Monday, next Monday, and then Arsenal at home and Liverpool away. And then you've got Fulham have a really nice run. Mm. Bournemouth away, West Ham at home, Everton away, Leeds at home, Villa away, yeah. City at home is the, the kind of one big standout in the middle of this. 
then Leicester at home, away to Southampton, home to Palace. With all of those. To Manchester United. <laughs> there's there's six of maybe there's six of maybe Fulham's for last ten that you think, yeah, you can win that. And I think that that's if Fulham go in on April the first in a European spot, we'll finish there. But if we don't, and that's a big if considering the next three games, then I think maybe that it, it, we'll struggle to get back into them. But look, if we're in touching distance, it's still on. I think is probably how I would how I would land on it. It's exciting. It's exciting. Like the fact that you know we watch them every week and we genuinely can't quite tell if we're there or not. Like we're good. We don't concede many goals. That's good. Um, Fulham keep coming up with answers. Every time new questions get thrown at Fulham, Fulham keep coming up with answers. And that's a really, really impressive thing in itself. Yeah, it's very unfulhamish as well. So we don't we don't Indeed. really know how to predict this situation. We don't Indeed. know what's happening. We don't. We don't. We're getting a nosebleed. <laughs> we haven't been up here in years. This is, this is all very new. Um, Okie dokie. All right. You did your best. Then? Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yes. On to our final question is, will Borussia Dortmund ever lose again? No, scrap that. Will they ever drop any points ever again in the future of their club? Because they have been absolutely outrageous to start this year. They've won every single game they've played in 2023. That's nine games in a row across three different competitions. And in that time, they have closed a nine-point gap to Bayern Munich at the top of the Bundesliga table, and they are now level on points with them. They have given us a potential three-way title race, along with Union Berlin. Now, Edin Terzic has been very clear. He said, we're not allowed to, to praise his team until the end of the season if they achieve something. It's very difficult to stick to that when you win nine games in a row, barely concede any goals, and rack them up as well in certain scenarios too. Um Look, obviously, to answer my own stupid question, there's a time where they will not win a game. But doesn't it kind of feel like the best Dortmund have been since maybe Pete Klopp? Yeah, 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 definitely. That that definitely feels like the case. Um, and we're going to shock everyone here by talking about the first weekend of April when they play Bayern away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the biggest weekend in football history, the first weekend of April. Wow. Yeah, that's... That is unbelievable. Everything goes down on April 1 or 2. That That's how it's going to work for this season. That's when they play Bayern in Munich. But, but, you know, the next couple of games for Borussia Dortmund are difficult. It's Leipzig in the league. Then they're away to Chelsea in the Champions League. Then it's the derby against Schalke. And then a week after they play Cologne, they have... Bayern away and in that you'd imagine if they do get through this tie against Chelsea obviously we will we'll know that next week then there'll be more Champions League games then they have a quarter final in the cup against Leipzig then they play Union Berlin at home it's like everything is like stuffed into this period of the season this is a big big test now of Dortmund's actual credentials I think mm. we've got to the point where Dortmund have done really well to close the gap it's been very very impressive there's been some massive results in here but you actually look at this since he came back from the international, well, from the World Cup break, and you look at it and go, okay, these are games that have been, Dortmund have done really well to win and get into a rhythm. But there are, you know, these these are mostly games you'd expect them to win. Now it gets into the, the kind of point of being like, right, these are now the games that that test you at the top of the top of the tree. And I, I think this is where we find out if this is a really good run against weaker sides, or if this is Dortmund returning to being the real deal. Yeah, yeah, but mate, it doesn't matter if all the games are winnable. Nine in a row is absurd. It's it's mm. like 
to, to, to pull all of those I'm off. Not, like, I'm not trying to take but, it away from me. It's, yeah. a, it's a massive achievement. I'm it just, I'm just pointing matter. out that it's slightly different to where what we're about to see, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So no, to answer your question, they will drop points again in their in the class. I've answered that question. <laughs> yeah. The real question is, can they like genuinely will they win the title? I'm starting to think. Not that this is my question to answer, but I'm starting to think. Yes, I'm starting. I'm starting to really believe in them. The problem that's when, is that's like, when buy and kill you, isn't it? Yeah. When you we, start to never... actually believe you're going to win it. We haven't seen Dortmund like this for such a long time that it's hard to believe in it. And you don't know whether they are just riding momentum and getting some luck along the way that's leading to this run. Or is this genuinely the real deal? And suddenly they've gone from a season that, to be honest, could have been discarded a few months ago as like, let's forget this one. We're not going to be in this race. Let's, I don't know, focus on the Champions League or the, or the or domestic cups. To suddenly putting together something that's challenging by Munich and shoving Union Berlin out the out the way but it's they've got a fluidity about them when I watch them like I love the way they attack like the roles are interchangeable the personnel is interchangeable too up top so they've got like six or seven different options that they can they can swap out if one of them's not having a good game they've got like such depth there obviously they've got um Jude Bellingham having an continues to have an unbelievable season and is a presence in that midfield unlike anything else we're really seeing in that league. You've even got someone like Emre Chan who is um, in the Melon Wall of Fame um, <laughs> who's having a bit of a comeback season. He he's actually been good and he's been carrying out his role very well. And so all of these things coming together has basically helped them to this moment. But I've always got in the back of my head but Dortmund are flaky. They'll drop points. They'll drop points when you least expect it. It'll come this weekend. It'll come this weekend. And I'm sure their fans have must have that same feeling in the back of their minds every yeah, week. Yeah, it's muscle memory, isn't it? Yeah, Surely, at sure, some point. Sure. Scarring, yeah. really. But I mean, look, well, the, you're, you're kind of right, Dean. Like, every part of this team is singing. They're, like There's just good news and good stories from everywhere. Like Bellingham wearing the armband and absolutely smashing it every single week. Julian Brandt is in like the best form of his life, although we have to be wary. He is like one of the least consistent players in world football. And for every five brilliant performances, unfortunately, five of the opposite quality sometimes follow. But the defence actually feels sorted for the first time in how many years? You know, Schlotterbeck and Zula and uh, and Kerbal together. I love the fact that they've made like a five million euro pickup in Sally Urshan, just like a really important part of the team, a really good balancing midfielder for everybody. They've got really good stories. Marius Wolf returning from the wilderness to play. That's not a pun. And Sebastian Allaire beating cancer. To, to come back to the pitch in space of six yeah. months. Like, it's just like everything about this team. Adeyemi, speed, the impact players. You've got Makoko and Bino Gittens and Rayner off the bench scoring goals, either to ice it at 4-1 or win it in the last minute. Like, there's just there's so much about this team to absolutely adore and love. And I'm afraid that I'm falling for them based on the previous scars. But this is where I am with it. Yeah, I mean, to quote my friend Tinchy Strider, it's comeback season. And, it, you know, this feels like one of the one of the best stories going in Europe. They will drop points again at some point in the future, but I hope that they can sustain 
this title charge. Uh, and with that, I think it's probably time for us to call in a day on our main segment. Thank you very much to Sam for posing all of those questions. It's been lots of fun. Dean and I have gone into this blind, but I think we really uh, did. There was well, I, hope we've, involved there. <laughs> I hope that we've uh, we've been able to answer them. It's been a little bit on the fly, but I've enjoyed myself. So yeah. lots of fun. Lots of fun. Right after the break, we've got Melon of the Week and the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our third and final segment. And as ever, we start Mr. Dean Jones. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Kip Keller. MLS is back and it's back with the biggest melon you've ever seen. This was unbelievable he is responsible for what is being labeled on the internet as the funniest goal ever (laughs) keller plays for austin fc austin fc against st louis at the weekend who are playing their first ever game in mls football he was already kind of not having a good game before this moment um but he was bringing the ball out of his defense and suddenly stopped he turns back towards his own goal and you think, oh, he's going to pass it back to his goalkeeper. Now, in between his goalkeeper and Kip Keller is a, a player from the other team, a striker for St. Louis. And he just passes to him. Like, not like he, he just got in the way, it was a miskick. He literally passes the ball to him. The guy's like, cheers, <laughs> smashes it into the net, <laughs> takes it. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? <laughs> what? Like, was there a whistle that we didn't hear? What's going on? Oh, no. It doesn't help that Keller's a St. Louis native, does it? And everyone's like, oh, he's just been helping his boyhood, you know, his, his, his hometown team. Yeah. Boyhood's probably a bit of a stretch considering that St. Louis have only just started yeah. existing within the MLS framework. But yeah, but still, this um, was tough. I, I feel really sorry for him, by the way. I mean, absolutely guaranteed, Melon. It was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. But bear in mind, this is a centre-back who has about seven or eight MLS appearances to his name, uh, picked in the first round of the Super Draft last year. So very new to the scene and came on in the 10th minute due to an injury to Julio Cascante. So it was like proper thrown in and was probably not mentally ready. Um, Now that's on him, but still it's tough circumstances. He's going to sign for St. Louis and they're going to greet him like a hero. It's going to be (laughs) unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just for context for people that don't know, um, Kip Keller's team, Austin, lost this game 3-2. Honestly, you could say that he was at fault for all three goals in different ways. He was at fault. He made mistakes for all three goals. He had an absolute stinker. Um, But this particular error was... I honestly think it's it's one of the worst errors you'll ever see on a football pitch. It, it's it's unbelievable. Nobody who is listening to this podcast that's ever played football would have made this pass. No way. Now, yeah, just panicking listen, it on the stage, the bright yeah. lights. Etc. If you're I an Austin fan, you give this guy some love next time you see him. Whenever he plays next, if he plays again, <laughs> and whenever he plays next, cheer his name, get behind him because he's going to need that. Like, he yep. really is going to need a lift. Like, honestly, I can't imagine, jokes aside, how this feels. Like, you must be absolutely through the floor. You want the world to eat you up in a moment like that. And in the fallout from it, honestly, it must be 
it must be bad. Um, so it's probably in a tough spot right now. It was so melanish. I couldn't, I couldn't ignore it. Um, but I hope he, fi- I hope he bounces back. I, I genuinely do, and I'll be keeping an eye on how things go. Indeed, indeed. Even even the biggest melons can redeem themselves. The ranks FC motto that I've just come they up really with. They really can. Yeah, they, <laughs> they can. You know, I've just talked about that with Emre Chan. So it's, you know. translate that to Latin and stick it on a shield. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> sorted, sorted. Right, Dean, shout out of the week. Yeah, this week's shout out of the week is John. Uh, he gave us a five star review. Uh, John's from America, says, thanks for inspiring me. That was his subject's name in the review. And he says, hey, Dean, Sam and Captain Jack, I hope you're all doing great. I've been a listener since deep in the BR football ranks days and wanted to reach out and give you the five stars that this pod deserves. You guys have been my number one pod for soccer since my first listen and have remained so ever since. In fact, my friends and I enjoyed listening to your pod so much, we thought we would give it a try ourselves. So a few months ago, we started a Twitter, a blog, and a podcast called Footy Banter and have been having an absolute blast every week, hopping on our weekly Zoom call, having a beer or two and chatting about the beautiful game. We can only hope to be as good as you all are one day. Uh, God, I don't say that word very well, do I, in English accent? <laughs> um, as you are one day. So thanks for the constantly great content and for being a great inspiration to me and many others. Cheers. No worries, yes, John. Like, like I John. think I've actually seen this. I think he sent me this before and I've actually had a listen. But um, it's great. I love it when hearing people just, just starting random pods and stuff and you never know where this stuff goes. So do keep up with it. Like, don't stop just because... Um, you know, you feel, oh, not enough people are starting to listen to us. Keep plugging along. We're still doing exactly the same thing in our own situation. You just keep going and plugging along and hoping that along the way somebody hears it, really likes it, and actually has some money to stop paying you along the way. So keep going, John. Uh, thanks for the five-star review. Uh, we really appreciate it. And please, everyone, do. We had a few in this week, so thanks for that. But But wherever you do listen to the pod, if you could give us a five-star review just before you click in the description to, to start your Patreon. Um, that would be absolutely spot on. Indeed, indeed. Right. That is the gibberish siren. Sam, what you got for me? Oh, I'm going to put you on the spot again. I need you both to look at your phones. I've just sent you something. Mm. Oh, Sam no. has sent us a message saying you're in an arena with 50 hawks, 10 crocodiles, 3 brown bears, 15 wolves, 1 hunter with a rifle, 7 buffalo, 10,000 rats, 5 gorillas, and 4 lions. Pick 2 to defend you, the others attack you, the goal is to survive 1 hour. I'm going to hope you're at least going to start us off with your choices, Sam. No, um, I'm not. I'm really not, not doing do any work this week. It's just really no, you just, you just, you've gone for the old step back. I'm just asking questions. I mean, look, you can you can you can scythe your way through this list, and I think what's important really is we we start by ruling the useless ones out. So you pick two of those to defend you, and the others attack you, and you survive an hour. I don't think that crocodiles are going to be particularly helpful. No, I don't either. They're you. too slow. They're too slow. They only move in 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 a forward direction, apparently. 
Um, and I think they're quite lazy as well, aren't asleep. they, really? They're, they're just, asleep. yeah, they're proper lazy. I don't think the 10 crocodiles are going to do too much for you. I also think seven buffalo would be mostly useless. Maybe you could use them as a human shield. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Shield. Could you build meat yourself shield? like a meat wall? Like a, Maybe turn them into, yeah, buffalo and, burgers. They, they're and, nice. An Erling Haaland <laughs> meat wall. <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe. And I think the four lions, as vicious as they are, it's just not the most appealing one. What I can't get away from here, guys, is 10,000 rats. That is a lot of rats. It's a lot of rats. It's, a, it's an overwhelming amount of rats. Yeah, bear in mind, um, you can deploy them tactically. I think we have to start with the rats. It's just so many rats. It's so many, yeah. Um, especially if they're definitely defending you. Um, that is a that is a lot of rats around you. And yeah, and I've seen Ratatouille. Them them guys are clever. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from the hawks that might want to pick them off, it's still going to take fifty hawks a long time to pick off ten thousand rats. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about the hawks getting. Would it me. would it take them more than an hour? Probably. Yeah, yeah I, think I so. agree. Because they'd have to I survey agree. it, wouldn't they? And they keep swooping down and then flying off because there'd be so many rats like jumping yeah. around. Um, I genuinely the one I don't like, but I am drawn to is uh, no, nothing else has a distance value than a hunter with a rifle. And yes. I'm starting to believe that if you can pick things off at distance and not get shot, that's a pretty good start for surviving. But I, yeah. I don't know how many bullets you'd have to put into. I mean, I'm not a hunter, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a lover, not a hunter. And I don't know how many bullets you'd have to put into something like three brown bears or 15 wolves in order to actually get rid of them. But how many yeah. times do you have to shoot one a gorilla? If properly. Yeah, one good shot, Probably I'd low. say. One good but, shot. But, you're on, but I think you're onto something there. I, I, I'd say that the distance threat of the hunter with the rifle is, is a massive concern. Um and while he probably doesn't really do a lot for you, he is a massive, massive threat to you. Yeah. yeah. Because he's not going to be able to shoot 10,000 rats and he's probably not going to be able to shoot 50 hawks. You know, they're going to swoop down on you. So having him is useless, but he is a massive threat. So I think you're going to need to employ some ducking and weaving and dodging here. <laughs> I don't think you want him, but you're going to have to dispose of him. So mm. I wonder if... I think you take rats... that. I think you might take the rats and the hunter. That's genuinely, I think, what I've come to the conclusion of. And just try and pick off the big guns as soon as you can with the rifle and then let the rats do the old distraction job at the same time. And yeah. then just... But, but what... Run. No, but... But the hawks, air, airborne, swooping down. The hunter Shoot, can't... Yeah. He can't take care of 50 hawks at the same time. He'll be overwhelmed immediately by hawks. Punch them, though. He could... No. <laughs> you, could, you could punch the hawks off. 50. Hawks couldn't do that much damage to us. I'm 50 sure hawks? Could. Yeah, I'm, they're not I coming down at the a, same time. Eight hawks, eight hawks would rip you to pieces. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I yeah. think it's fifty hawks and ten thousand rats. Although, actually, I do remember the time a pigeon nicked one of my chips in Brighton, and that was quite scary. Seagulls, mate, when they when they go for you as well, they're yeah. Seagulls, imagine, imagine that. I got one by a pigeon of all things in Brighton. But... <laughs> imagine that. The Atlanta nine hawks are quite rubbish though in the NBA, so maybe they're not particularly dangerous. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I personally, I'm going for the rats and the hawks. I want the airborne, the airborne threat. I want the the mass volume of the of the rats. I want maybe possibly to put the rats on the hawks' back, and then the hawks swoop down, do double aerial assault using mm, a rat. I'm definitely having the bloke with the gun on my team. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah. I'm going. I'm going rats and hunter. I'm afraid. That's yeah. I don't want the bloke shooting me. He, he's definitely going to kill me. So do you know what? This question was asked to, or someone on Twitter decided to ask ChatGPT, our old friend. 
yep. what chat what what the AI would do. And the I think the AI got it horribly wrong. They picked Buffalo. Or it picked Buffalo. Maybe it wanted the meat shield we were on about earlier. It said Buffalo are large and strong animals known for their powerful horns and sturdy bodies. They're unpredictable and can be aggressive. I think they would be a formidable defense. And he also chose the gorillas, which are five gorillas, like if they're big silverbacks, fair play. So that's what chat GPT went for. And then the person that asked that question responded. I said, okay, we're five minutes into the battle. The hunter has taken out of your useless buffalo. You're left with five gorillas to fight yeah. off 50 hawks, 10 crocodiles, three brown bears, 15 wolves, one hunter, 10,000 rats and four lions. How do you feel about your original decision? And chat GPT said, as a language model, I do not have feelings, but I do understand that this situation has become much more challenging. (laughs) (laughs) Losing the buffalo as a defense has weakened my position considerably, and the remaining gorillas may not be enough to fend off all the other animals. (laughs) So there's a future for us yet beyond AI in strategic yeah. defense against animals because they just haven't quite cracked that yet. Brilliant. They haven't got that one worked out. No. Fair, fair, fantastic. Right, on that bombshell, I think it's probably time that we call this podcast a day. And all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to the rank on Mr. Sam Tai. Thank God I ask you guys those five questions and not chat, G- chat GPT. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We learn something new every day. Thank you very much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, Nave of Hearts. Thank you so much for listening to Ranks FC today. Remember, you can get a month free trial with the Patreon in the link in the description. We'd love to have you over there to check it out and see what we're up to on Mondays and Fridays, those two extra podcasts every single week. And we will see you very shortly. Take it easy, gang. Peace.